Welcome to Obsessed with Design, a show about what makes designers tick. My name's Josh Miles. I'm a designer, principal, and brand strategist at Miles Herndon, a branding agency in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. Today on Obsessed with Design, I catch up with the founder and CTO of Frontify, which is a brand management software as a service, and you're going to have to check it out because it's totally the kind of thing that I wish I would have created. Roger and I chat about the challenges of creating your first startup, the benefits of being in Switzerland, how FIFA impacts their office culture, and all kinds of other interesting tidbits around this new product. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Roger Dudler. Okay, guys, welcome all the way from Switzerland, the founder and CTO of Frontify, Roger Dudler. Roger, welcome to Obsessed with Design. Hi, Josh. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm, it's really a pleasure to be here. Thanks. You guys have a very interesting business from what I could tell online, and we got introduced by uh, one of your marketing partners. So for for those of our listeners who are maybe not familiar with Frontify, tell us a little bit about um, what you guys do. Yeah, Frontify is, is a software company. Um, we're actually a quite young startup. We, we work uh, for around four years now. And we provide software for brand management. So our main flagship product is our style guide product, uh, which allows you to create uh, those large or small uh, style guides, which include like logos and colors and typography definitions. And you create it beautifully online uh, with an easy management, uh, with simple sharing, so you can really bring your brand guidelines online with Frontify. Uh, and in addition, you can also collaborate visually. Uh, you can discuss and do whatever you need uh, to do visually on your brand. So that's basically what we do. So I don't know if anybody else listening is having the same feelings, but um, I'm a little bit jealous of your product, uh, mostly because we've been talking about as a company making a similar thing for like 10 years and we just, you know, never got around to doing it. So kudos to you and your team for, for taking this idea that I'm sure so <laughs> many of us had bouncing around in our heads and, and you guys actually made it happen. So that's awesome. Yeah, thank you very much. I mean, uh, I think we, we were not the first ones that had this idea. So, but it's definitely good to hear that um, that it's a it's a real problem, and I think we've got quite a smart approach on solving it, um, and hopefully people will also bring their ideas to us, and uh, so we can improve. Yeah, exactly. But so we were talking a little bit before the show. So you're actually you actually have more of a development background than a design background. So. Maybe tell us a little bit about how you got introduced to this idea as a founder and then um, kind of what what drew you into the design and branding world? Yeah, since I've, I've worked a lot in, in, in software projects uh, as a developer, I was always uh, as well in the interaction with a lot of designers. And sometimes I had projects where there was no designer or there was no dedicated designer around. 
And since it was my passion to design as well, which is uh, quite a special combination, having developers who design, um, I did a lot of work in the design space as well, not only as a hobby, but also uh, in my day job. And once I had a lot of those interactions with designers, I, I felt like it's, it's just very hard to communicate, uh, especially when it comes to documentation, specifications and things like this. And I'm, I'm a little tool boy, so uh, I, I, I always want to solve problems with software itself. So I, I started creating my own tools uh, for the collaboration between the very creative people, the very uh, visual people and the technical people, and, and, and therefore created like an early version of Frontify, which tries to solve those issues. But as you can see, we, the, the, the final product we now have is a little different. So this was like, the beginning was more towards a collaboration platform for designers and developers. And now we like pivoted and moved a little bit more into the brand management space where we see more potential, where we see more issues, uh, especially when it comes to those guidelines that are very, uh, let's say, very old schooly in PDFs and static, not ready for digital and interactive world. So there are a lot of problems to solve. And that's what makes me especially uh, happy about the brand management space. Yeah, I'm, I'm just more and more jealous the more I think about this, but I'm, I'm pretty excited <laughs> to uh, try out the product. I, sh I guess I should just say, since I'm gushing about it, like Frontify is not a sponsor of the show. I've not used the product yet. So this is all just kind of initial discovery on my part too, but I'm, I'm pretty excited to check it out. And this was not your first uh, tech company or startup you're involved in, right? What Tell us a little bit about some of your other background. Um, actually, it's my first company. So um, I just worked for a lot of uh, other companies before, like product companies and like a weather company where I, I, I made some image analysis software and some data delivery stuff and databases and those kind of things. I also worked for a company who did software for um, like uh, more in the finance area and I, I worked for an agency for a large one and did classic websites. So it, it, I, I made a lot of experience uh, in, in very different spaces. And actually Frontify was uh, or is my first company and I founded it in 2013. Uh, alone with a few mentors and yeah and actually <laughs> i had no idea of how to build a company so i just i just tried it and uh, with the help of, of friends and mentors yeah we made it we made it happen somehow <laughs> very cool so how um how many people are on the team today um we're seven um we're nine in a few days so yeah, nine people, uh, which are split between a group of product people and a group of sales and account management people. So one of the questions that we get a lot from our listeners is, 
you know, they want to know there's this idea of scale and size that's, you know, we've talked to people who are complete solo entrepreneurs or people who work with companies who have hundreds of employees. And, you know, you guys are, are definitely on the more common size of folks that we've talked to who have, you know, somewhere between five and 25 people. Um, so do you see as scaling as something that you'll have to do in the future? Do you think you'll be able to say, stay small and nimble as you grow or what's, what's kind of your vision there? Um, this is always a very hard question, which we discuss all the time. Um, generally we are not, um, it's not our main goal to be a company with 500 people. So we think it's, uh, growing in size of the team is not something that you plan because you want to have more people. So it's more like you plan how to grow in terms of your product and your market. And then you mainly calculate what kind of people you need uh, to, to reach those goals. So we are more driven in terms of what kind of revenue growth we want to have. And then we like find out how many people we need to, to, to achieve this. So, um, I would say it's not for the next few years, it's not the goal to grow more than let's say 20, 25 people. Okay, cool. That's still a pretty good, uh, increase from seven to 25. Yeah, it is. And, uh, it's, it's also a challenge. I, I think it's very hard to, um, to grow the team and, and, and like keep the culture, keep the startup culture. Um, the people that are currently working with us, most of them we know from the from 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 earlier days. Uh, sometimes I worked together with them already. Sometimes we know them from others. So uh, got some referrals, and so it's very easy to work with such a great team. And uh, but once you grow, um, I think it's very hard to like keep keep everything together and stuff like that so this is something we don't know yet and that will be an adventure to <laughs> to get into this um very soon very cool i would imagine that a you know the founder role that could vary greatly from what you do day to day but especially being a founder and cto tell us a little bit about kind of what your your day-to-day -day or your your typical work week looks like for you yeah, that's um, that's interesting. I think um, my main job currently is, or my main uh, my main time goes into into the product planning and the product concept. So, um, like preparing everything for the product team. So, like thinking about thinking about all the solutions, all the problems of our customers. Um, like drawing concepts, UI concepts. Um, sometimes I still do design um, because we don't have a dedicated designer yet. Um, then a lot of coaching, uh, a little bit of management, like um, talking to CEO, having uh, discussions about the strategy, about the vision. Uh, but most of the time goes into the product itself. So planning, making everything ready, like validating what, what, what is done, um, preparing rele releases, talking to people. Yeah. So that's mainly my job. 
Very cool. So with one of the things that you mentioned there is kind of vision setting and, and you mentioned a lot about culture when we were talking about scale. So what's, what's kind of your view on, on how to structure a vision that, that, um, kind of keeps the culture that you want or moves towards the culture that you'd like to get to? Yeah. Hard, hard question. I think we, we don't try to, to create two hard boundaries or something. So what we try to achieve is that all, all people that work for us are really identified with what, what they do. So um, we think everyone needs to be on board and needs to work on a product. He, he sees the meaning and he sees the goals and the need and, and actually is very happy to, to, to build that thing. And um, so I think as long as, as we have as a team work on, on, on a product and on an idea that everyone is very, very obsessed with, um, then I think it's the culture itself is not really a problem. So um, everyone is happy with their work. Um, so we have a lot of challenging problems to solve. We have, um, I think, very interesting customers. So, um, for example, uh, if you can create like a style guide product that is used by Lego, uh, which is in our, like, in our, uh, once we played with it and now we, uh, we provide software for them. So <laughs> things like this is that that's just so amazing and, and it, it's so much fun and, as long as we have fun and as long as we have, we are successful, I think the culture is not really a problem. I think you mentioned on the website that Frontify has Switzerland inside and it says fueled with chocolate, love mountains and cheese. So, I mean, those are all things I think most people could probably get excited about. So as long as you've got chocolate, love mountains and cheese, I'm sure <laughs> your, your team's going to have a really great culture. Yeah, we, we do have a few more things that make them happy, I think. For example, we, we, um, we are very obsessed with playing FIFA. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we, we do have our, uh, our football playing sessions all day. Uh, so we, sometimes we just make a break and play a game uh, because it makes our minds free. And, and, and yeah, it's kind of a thing that well, our CEO plays against the product team or something like this is very funny. And yeah, for sure, we, we are in Switzerland. We are a little special since um, everything is smaller. And I think it's a little another philosophy uh, behind creating a startup than it is in Silicon Valley, for example. So maybe we are a little less loud. <laughs> than we could be and um, that sometimes that's not not good um, sometimes it's good so it's the it's pros and cons uh, for it but generally living in Switzerland and working in Switzerland is great I mean besides having uh, having uh, on a company view uh, having higher salaries is hard but um, I think uh, the benefits for for the people here are are very great. So living in a in a city like Saint Gallen, which has a lot of benefits, it's small, it's familiar, it's like a, like a little family, and you have the mountains, 
you can go hiking right next to the door and you have a lot of other think advantages um, uh, compared to other countries. Yeah, that sounds pretty awesome. I know you mentioned Lego as, as one of your clients and you were telling me before about some of the work that you've done with Adobe or UBS and Lufthansa in particular. Tell us about uh, what Lufthansa is up to with your product. Lufthansa um, faces some new challenges uh, since a few years that they have like they have a lot of different channels. So um, you experience their products like online on their website when booking a flight. You experience it when you go to the airport and you have the desk there and you check in. You go into the airplane and you have an in-flight entertainment system and you probably also have like a, a bonus or program or something like this, um, which also has, should have like this original Lufthansa unique experience. And Lufthansa especially is working with a lot of different partners um, who provide design and they also have a lot of internal teams who work on those projects. Um, and as you can imagine, uh, with a company with over 100,000 people, um, they have a lot of those projects. And until they started working with Frontify, they had like all those different platforms where their designs were living. So they had the little agencies and the large agencies, they have the internal product, uh, internal platforms. And so they, they, they had no, like no overview of what's going on for the Lufthansa brand. So maybe one comp one agency was working on a booking flow and another company also was working on a booking flow. And so with Frontify, they have like one platform, they, bring all the agencies on board uh, so that they have to like throw in everything they do into the platform. So the supervisor and the brand management at Lufthansa has an overview of what's going on. So they can just like jump in into a project and tell them, hey, um, let's check out this project or this best practice project or talk to this agency. They're doing the same. So it's really about connecting all the different stakeholders uh, of Lufthansa. And in addition, it with enabling them to provide online guidelines and, and, and also code libraries, it makes it even more easier to uh, really unify uh, the brand consistency and, and like really achieve uh, the consistency they need for such a strong brand. And uh, we see we see fantastic results for the first like one and a half years where they had like hundreds of projects and about 900 people working on a platform. So it's really a huge success for us and for them. So how, how are they measuring um, success on the platform? Is it that they're getting more people to access the same things or fewer people or how does that how does that work? Uh, generally, normally, when, when you when you introduce such a platform, normally it creates a little bit more noise than than before because more people are on board, more people have some comments, um, provide feedback. So this is a process of having a little bit more noise and then reducing it 
and making everything more clear and more structured and introducing maybe best practice structures for projects, having everyone uh, on board for the guidelines and, and stuff like that. So that takes a little bit of time. Um, but what they see is that they actually know what's going on. And so they, uh, they can connect the partners and in the end get faster and better consistent results. So that's definitely something they see. Faster and better consistent results is definitely a thing to be excited about. <laughs> yeah, it is. it is. Speaking of excited, one of the questions that I ask all of our guests is, um, you know, I would say the guests on our shows always tend to be obsessed with something. So what would you say that you are personally most obsessed with right now? Um, do you mean in terms of, uh, in terms of the company and the product or privately? Yeah, it really could be anything. Just what's, uh, what's on your mind. I think they're really my, my two, two focus areas. I would say privately, uh, it's my little boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm father since last October. So, um, he's around one now and, uh, that's, that's really what takes my time privately. Um, and for the company, I'm really really obsessed in, in like bringing the complexity of, of brand management, uh, to the people and make it simple. So I cannot really explain what this means in the end, but for me, I'm, I, I think I'm strong in, in like making complex problems simple and then bringing structure into them. So what, what I'm currently thinking is, about how to how do we enable at even even the smallest company who has one logo and, and nothing else how can we enable them to evolve their brand over time so how can we enable them to like bring some some let's say education and, and, and like uh, simple one click tools and processes to them that they can like gain some more brand consistency and some more awareness of their brand. So if you, if you see like a, like a restaurant, uh, how can we enable them that they can do everything they need with their brand without the help of, of anyone else? So, how can we help them, for example, define their values as well? How can we help them uh, create like a voice and tone guidelines based on their values, basically? It, it sounds really complex and non-concrete, non but um, that's really a complex problem I'm currently thinking about. Not sure if it has a goal, but it's something mm -hmm. that I'm up to. Do you feel like there are things that you could do, I mean outside of just the infrastructure that the, that the product provides, you know, are you seeing this as ways to inspire or coach or provide content for these smaller companies for how to evolve their, their brand or their design platform further? Yeah, especially, I think, I think the, that a lot of, a lot of companies actually don't know how to create things based on what they have. 
since they have to like find an agency, they need to find uh, those this freelance uh, guy they know from the neighbor. I don't know. So uh, and they they don't they don't really know what they can do and they don't really know how to achieve it. And what I what I'm thinking about is how can we connect them to the ones that know how to do it uh, in a way that is uh, not the way that freelance platforms do it, but in a way that uh, that's more natural, like like a home for your brand, um, where you actually, when you start your company, that you can like create your brand on Frontify and then you can start small and grow big and you, you evolve your brand over time. So once you grow as a, as a company, then you probably need not only a website, but you probably need a shop as well. And you probably need like business cards and you need, uh, maybe later on you need an app or you need a social media presence. Uh, and then later on you probably have a second website or a marketing site where you probably need a pattern library uh, to make it consistent and so on and so on. So it's really complex, the whole thing. But I think if you can break it down to something simple that starts small and only provides you the things that are, that are simple and then it grows with you, um, that could be a very interesting story. I don't know. I, I don't have the solution, but <laughs> I, I, like, I like to think about it. Obviously, as a, as a software product, or I don't know if you guys would consider this a software as a service product, but you know, you've got some level of self-service, so you don't necessarily have to go out and, you know, chase down clients and go through a sales process so they can, you know, go to the website and sign up for the free trial and kind of start from there. So you don't and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you don't have the normal like agency problems of, you know, doing an RFP and chasing around and doing quotes and doing all this thing. It's just your pricing is out there and you sign up and you use it or you don't kind of thing. So I, I guess ultimately you can correct any of that if that's off, but um, I'm curious who you feel like the best clients or who do you, who've been the most frequent client types or who's best suited to use the product? Yeah, it's it's a little different. Uh, so it's it would be nice if it it, it is like that, but it's not in, in the real world. So we do have two segments of customers. We do also have like besides the, the self-service segment, we do have the enterprise customers. And with the enterprise customers, um, we also have those RFPs. We also have those security questionnaires and stuff like that, very legal stuff and whatever. So we do have that as well. So for our larger customers, for the self-service customers, it's it's uh, way more easy. So there you don't have those documents and stuff that gets exchanged. But I would say um, currently we do have uh, yeah um, around eight hundred customers or something, and uh, I would say most of them are smaller. Smaller companies that are very, um, yeah, that that are that they, they feel they have a, like a the brand is important for them. So that that actually is the characteristic of of our customers. We do have um, a group of let's say 
20% or 25%, which are quite large, uh, which have a strong brand already. And I think the rest would be like either agencies that are working for their clients or uh, the clients themselves um, that have a feeling of a strong brand. So if they don't care about the brand, uh, so they, they probably don't work with Frontify because it's not something that they feel is important. So our customers normally care about their brand and therefore they try to make their brand even stronger or make their results more consistent. So that's when we come into play. Maybe, maybe on the enterprise side, how do you know if an enterprise client just isn't going to work out for you guys or maybe is a bad fit? This could be the case. Uh, sometimes, um, well, actually, we are, we are quite lucky with the customers we currently have since they are very, um, yeah, very nice customers in terms of communication and, um, uh, and everything else. But there are... Um, there are customers that are more like they need more work. So they, they, they are just, they need more communication. They need more legal work, more, more other things. That's something we do when we feel that the customer is very important for us. And uh, it's a, like a chance for us and an opportunity. Um, but I'd say if a customer, for example, thinks, he gets an individual solution for them, then we are not the right fit. So I think we, we are always open in adjusting our product or like extending our product into, into several areas if we think it, this makes sense and this makes sense for all of our customers. Um, then we definitely do that. But we are not the ones who are like working as an agency and then we build like a, an individual brand management platform for them. Mm -hmm. So that's that's not what we do. Tell me about one of the proudest moments with your team or one of your proudest moments at Frontify. Yeah, I think one of the proudest moments was actually the launch and, and the first few weeks um, of our Style Guide product since um, we... We had like a harder year, uh, year and a half in the beginning, uh, where we where we didn't get the fit like the product market fit, um, that that great. And um, once we launched the Frontify Style Guide, we we felt like it's it's something that, yeah, we we are into something now, uh, and it was very. We invested a lot of time into this product. And we, we didn't know if it would work out. And uh, so this was really something we were proud of. But a lot of moments we are very proud is when we, when we like, just when we get some great customers. Since we, we have so many large brands we know from our childhood and, you know, our, our fashion brands and brands from magazines and, you know, other large brands as Lufthansa or Emirates or Qatar or whatever, airlines and all kinds of things. And when you walk through like uh, through the, the train station or something and it sees the advertisement from UBS or, or Lufthansa or whatever, and you see, okay, 
probably there was our software involved to create such a great advertisement and then it's it lives here so that's something when i feel very very proud because it's something something meaningful for them and for the people as well so that's really something i'm i'm always very proud of when we yeah when we just gain and we win a uh, a fantastic brand as a customer. I'm sure that's a really cool feeling to know that you're part of, you know, not just, not that the little companies aren't cool to see too, but with, when you have these global enterprise brands to know that, um, your software at some level is helping them facilitate speed and, and efficiency and those kind of things. That's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, definitely. Do you guys have any kind of next big goals or are there any, dream projects that you'd like to pursue next? We are working on a few things currently that should go live soon, um, which are mainly um, we, we will unify the whole platform, but that's more a UI thing, um, but it's something that really takes a lot of time. Um, we are also working on more emotional parts of the product. So, um, we, for example, introduce a so-called brand home. Uh, currently, we do have these style guide documents. So uh, like plain documents with structure. So quite boring stuff when you think about it. So a structured document is not something very emotional. And there we add like a, uh, a landing page where you can really add some more emotional content like big pictures videos and stuff that feels great and acts as a as an intro to the brand for all the employees and all the designers that work for this brand we are also working on an image library part or media library uh, which is also directly integrated into the style guide um, which allows you to make like simple asset management functionality and also provide your media libraries within the style guide. It's also something we're up to currently. And yeah, and we do have a lot in the pipeline for more like visionary stuff. Um, as I mentioned, um, tackling this kind of brand, um, let's say brand framework thing, but that's something that will arrive probably in 2017. We'll have to uh, be on the lookout for all of those new features. You know, one of the things that a lot of our um, designers that we talk to, we notice that they're either, you know, blessed or cursed by this profession of being in the design world. And so I'm curious if, as you look around at the startup space or other software as a service or other people who are in the asset management world um if there are any things that that drive you crazy right now whether they're trends or common things or mistakes you know what what drives you nuts yeah i'm 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 following the progress and uh, and, and everything from nearly all companies in that space so um i think it's yeah, there, there has been a few trends, you know, in the in the in the past few years. Um, when it comes, for example, to designing your browser tools, and uh, we do have a lot of, um, you see a lot of like 
animation transitioning tools like Framer and all those kind of things. Um, there is really a lot of stuff going on, which is really, really cool. And um, sometimes, uh, sometimes it feels like, okay, um, there's maybe too much stuff, uh, which is quite, quite disconnected, especially if you look, for example, at Adobe, which is like creating a lot of, a lot of tiny tools mm-hmm. uh, that are mainly experiments and that are not really mature and uh, not really targeted to be something stable and something that lives for a few years now. So it's more or less experiments. And I mean, this is also great having experience, but I think it's, it's just too much at the moment. So I think there should be more uh, that try to create something that is really uh, where a company can trust and can sit on and, and, and can, can build up the know-how and, and work with it for a few years and not like, having a company that is uh, or a product that dies after like uh, six months because it has not enough, not generated like millions of users or something. So I, I, I saw an example I, uh, a few months ago where there was a, there was a little startup or um, a side project from a larger company, uh, which was like a, specification tool or something a project specification tool which was super awesome uh, in terms of ux and design and it was just looking absolutely fantastic and it's it looked like okay you can sit on the train and then you can use it it's professional you can start right on and after i think it was about four days later or something and as i was down and they just stopped the project because now they learned enough and they are integrating it into something else and it's that di- it dies. Mm. So sometimes this is, yeah, I mean, I know the game. I mean, we're, we're in the game as well, but I think it's, yeah, sometimes it's, it's, uh, too much experiments and, uh, too less mature products. I think, uh, about once a quarter, I, I tend to go back to our credit card statements to look at, how many of these software as a service subscriptions that we have that we're paying for that we've, you know, we set it and forget it and then literally just keep paying for it, but nobody's using it. So I think it's cool yeah. that you are, um, you know, creating a thing that you want to be active with and, um, you know, have people interact with and create value. So, so that's, that's a great mission, I think. Yes, I mean, I mean, sometimes you cannot follow every trend. Uh, I mean, you should you should be aware of them, and you should do your experiments by yourself. Uh, but in the end, you should create something that lives for more than a few weeks. And if you want to, especially get some larger clients on board, because it's very important for them to to trust um, that we are here in a few years still and. Um, we're trying to make a stable and, and, and great product and not, not only experiments, also experiments, but not only. Mm-hmm. Are there any other, um, product companies out there that, that you guys greatly admire or hope to be more like someday? Yeah. I mean, there are a few very great companies also in our space. I mean, there is Envision, a very fantastic, uh, fantastic product. Mm-hmm. Um, 
since they are a competitor of us a little bit, but I, I, uh, I just love what they do. So that's great. Um, we also use a few tools that we are very obsessed with. So Slack is doing a fantastic job as well, um, which is a necessary, absolutely crucial tool for us, um, which we use on a daily basis. Yeah, I, I follow a lot of startups and a lot of products. We also use, uh, for example, Algolia for search and Chopmagu, which is, uh, there are a lot of great product companies out there, really, which with us, I think, do a great job as well. For example, um, Canva, for example, is also doing a fantastic job uh, in their space. Um, I especially look for companies that do a great job in, in marketing and their marketing pages, because I think we are not that great when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so normally looking, looking to improve, uh, um, in, in this space. And also what I, what I really like is companies that have, um, an ecosystem that is really working. So that's something we would like to have at some day as well. So we do have the ideas and we do have the frameworks and everything, but we've not started to, to really, yeah, to really build it up and make it living and, um, and make people use it. So I, I also love companies who, who get that working. So also Slack, for example, with their bots. Um, yeah, a lot of others as well. Yeah. So I'm curious with the, a young company such as yours, what's either your favorite piece of advice to share with new team members or what's some of the best advice that you've ever received? Yeah. What, what I could say is very important um, when it comes to a product um, is that you focus on shipping. So I think it's not really a good thing if you have the culture of having like large releases, uh, like one release in a quarter uh, of a year or one release in a half year. So what I think is really important that you that you live a, a continuous release um, cycles so that your team knows everything they build needs to let's say needs to work in the evening. So needs to have a working state uh, in the evening. So thinking about how can we build this feature or this part of the product in a way that makes it possible to release it partially, having no like big bang releases which are very critical and error prone, but as well achieve that for the user out there, if it just feels complete and, uh, and that's something very hard to achieve and we, we're working on that. And I think that's really the goal uh, for us because it allows us to deliver at speed. Uh, so with um, that amount of people we have, uh, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be possible to release such uh, such a software uh, without this kind of process. So having a, a very lean uh, 
product planning and product release uh, strategy uh, is, is very, very important. And choosing technologies that are, that are, that are like, how should I say, I pre prefer technologies that work. Uh, I don't prefer <laughs> technologies that are fancy. Yeah. So, but that, that's always, um, that's always, um, a political thing. I think it's, uh, you could, you could overcome this problem when you give, for example, developers a playground or projects where they can try out new technologies and work with them. Uh, but on your major product, choose something that just works. In our case, we just use technology that's, that is quite old. Uh, but it's still absolutely stable, performant, and just works as expected. And that's, that's something uh, that I think is very important as well. Can you give me an example of one of those technologies that you feel like it, maybe it's not the shiniest, but it works? Yeah, it's, it, we have, for example, we're using PHP uh, still as programming language. Mm -hmm. We're using uh, Nginx as a web server and we're using MySQL for the database. So it's pretty basic web stack. And also we're using memcached uh, for caching. And that's a stack that just works. And we know it works and we know it works for years um, since we worked with them for the last 10 years. And it, it's just, yeah, it just works. And we would like to focus on the product and building a great product and not fixing stuff in new technologies. Very nice. Well, um, Roger, I appreciate you taking some time to catch up with us today before, um, before we wrap up and let you go, maybe tell our listeners about where they could check out Frontify or follow you online or where's, where's the best place for you to connect? Um, yeah, um, to try our product, it's the easiest to just sign up on our website. It's free. Um, there is also a free version, which uh, is pretty complete, uh, which still uh, which has a little banner uh, with an information about Frontify, but generally is uh, very feature complete. So you could try out this. You could contact us uh, in app. Uh, we use Intercom, another fantastic company, um, which provides in app support uh, or the in app support uh, solution. Uh, you can also reach me by email, uh, roger at frontify.com or Twitter. Um, my Twitter is Roger Dudler in lowercase and written together. And yeah, I'm always happy to exchange, you know, thoughts and ideas and connect with people. So I think that's, that's something very important. So if someone of you out there just wants to know more about Frontify, just give me a, a little tweet or an email. I'm always open to have a call or a little demo. And if you are up with some ideas and then what you think about uh, brand management and especially uh, guys like you who actually had the same idea, I would mm -hmm. love to exchange on uh, if we miss on something. So always looking for advice uh, there. Yeah, and if there is a designer out there that would like to work for us, uh, please write me. Uh, we're always looking for great people, so feel free to reach out. Very nice. Well, Roger, I appreciate you 
taking the time to chat with us today. And uh, I'm absolutely looking forward to digging into Frontify and uh, see how that lines up with, with what our thoughts were forever ago on, on how to pull this off and see how this works for our clients. Yeah, great. Very nice. And uh, Roger, as always, thank you for being obsessed with design. Okay, boys and girls, episode number 36 is in the books for all of today's show notes. Please check out obsessedshow.com. And while you're at it, please go to iTunes and hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. We always appreciate it when you leave a rating or review. And I greatly appreciate all of the ratings and reviews that you guys have left already. Thank you so, so very much. Obsessed with Design is a product of the Design Obsessed team at Miles Herndon, a branding agency located on the 13th floor of Circle Tower in downtown Indianapolis. Hit us up on Instagram, we're at Miles Herndon. Our intro music is Matchbox Girl by Cassie Joe, and our show is always edited by Jen Eds at the Brassy Broadcast Company. Check out BrassyBroad.com for more information. We've got some awesome interviews coming up in the coming weeks, so please stay tuned and let us know who you think we should interview next. Tweet at Josh Miles or at Obsessed Show. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.